2 Corinthians chapter 4. We've been a lot here lately in uh, the writings of the Apostle Paul, and that's okay. The direction of the Lord for our heart, for the service. And um, appreciate the Lord. Appreciate what He did in our midst on Wednesday night. I thank the Lord for it. I'm glad He knows what we need and when we need it. And um, it seems like here lately, at least over the last few services, I've woke up uh, with just a word on my heart or a couple of words out of the Scripture. And uh, that's the way the Lord's been leading. I appreciate direction from the Lord. And that's how it was for the service this morning. The Lord began uh, last night and uh, uh, yesterday and then again this morning Deal my heart about just one word here in some of these verses that we're going to read. And I desire your prayers that the Lord would help us and to touch us this morning, both spiritually and physically. I'm having trouble with my voice, and uh, but the Lord knows all about that. So if I have to cough a little bit, just hang with me and I'll come back in a minute. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's stand together out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. I just want to read a few verses here. And uh, we'll read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and then we'll also uh, read down into chapter number 5, and uh, then try our best by the help of the Lord to give you that that the Lord has laid upon our heart for the service this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to begin reading in verse number 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. So be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that, whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I'm interested this morning if the Lord would help me for just a few minutes and you'd pray for me 
Uh, I want to preach this morning, deal with the word eternal. Here in the scriptures in verse number 17, the Apostle Paul writing here to the church at Corinth deals with their affliction. And he says, our light affliction, <coughs> which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Again, in verse number 18, he speaks about things that are temporal and then things that are eternal. In verse number 1 of chapter number 5, he says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now I'm interested this morning on that word eternal. Paul here at dealing with the church at Corinth was trying by the help of, and the aid of the Holy Spirit to get them off of the temporal things and on to eternal things. Their focus the majority of the time as Paul wrote to them both in his first letter and his second letter it seemed like the church at Corinth always was caught up in temporal things. But they were always caught up in the here and the now. Or the things that really only affected this life. But Paul said there is something greater than just the temporal. But there is the eternal. But matter of fact, he said the eternal things far outweigh the temporal things. He said, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, but work for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He said, the things of God, the eternal things, account for more than the temporal things of this life. I'll say, as Paul here was writing to the church, he was writing to believers who were caught up in temporal things. I say in our day, in this age, the people of God have again become to be caught up in the temporal things of this life. It seems like the temporal things have swayed and swerved our vision and our focus from being on the eternal things. Now I say this morning that God deals in eternal things. Man cannot deal with eternal things or make eternal things come to pass. All man has the power to do is affect the temporal. But I'm glad this morning that God can affect eternal and eternity. That is right. Matter of fact, God's not really even interested in temporal things. God deals in eternal things. Now that does not mean that God's not interested in what you're going through as Paul was preaching and writing to this church. They were so caught up in the temporal that that's all they could see and it was affecting them spiritually. As a matter of fact, it was causing them to want to quit and give up. That's what Paul's writing to them about. He writes about all these things we go through beginning in verse number 8 of chapter 4 that we are distressed, we are persecuted, we do bear in our bodies the sufferings of the Lord. We do go through afflictions and hard things in this life, but that's just temporal. There is an eternal work being done behind the 
the scenes and we're confident that God is working in eternity for us. And he said, for this cause, we thank God. Because we know that God is working for eternity. We know that there is a weightier matter being worked by God for us through all the temporal things that will work for us in eternal things. And he said, we know these eternal things far outweigh the temporal things. He said this, light affliction. And see, the Corinthian believers were caught up in their trouble, caught up in their suffering. They were much like the Hebrew believers that was written to in the book of Hebrews. They couldn't get past their suffering. They couldn't get past the temporal things to see the eternal things. Paul said it's not about the temporal. God is working eternal things in the midst of your temporal things. He said, your light affliction, when you look at things in light of eternity, your affliction, no matter how bad or how dark or how deep the valley, it becomes a light thing when we view it in light of eternity. I want to say the reason, or one of the reasons, that I feel like the people of God are so discouraged in these days is because we're too caught up in the temporal things. We only see what we're going through now, and that's part of the flesh. We're just looking through a glass darkly. But Paul writes to them about faith. We believe by faith. We're not walking by sight. We're walking by faith. And though we cannot see the eternal things, all we see is the temporal things, yet we have faith in God that the eternal being worked for us far outweighs the temporal sufferings of this life. The Lord began to deal with my heart and put just a few things on my heart this morning that I need to say to you and then we'll go home. But it began to work in my heart about eternal or the word eternal and the things of God being eternal. And I began to pray and ask the Lord what He wanted for the service this morning. This is how He gave it to me and I'll try by His help to give it to you this morning. I want to say first of all that God has an eternal book. I'm glad for it. I'm glad this book is eternal. It's not temporal. It's not temporary. And the work that it does in the hearts of individuals to the aid and working of the Holy Spirit is not temporal things. We've not gathered together this morning on this Sunday morning in February to deal with temporal things. And that's the problem of our church age today. Many people gather in the church house and they approach church like they approach everything else. And we think that the 30 minutes or an hour or two hours we gather in here is all there is to it. And we treat it like it's temporal. But we're not here dealing with temporal things. We're here dealing with eternal things. And that's why it's important to come to the house of God. That what goes on in here changes men and women, boys and girls for eternity. The preaching of this book affects eternity. It's an eternal book. The Bible said forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever. He said heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. It's an eternal word. There's so much compromise in our day because people treat, preachers treat, church members treat the word of God like it's a temporal thing. 
They treat this book like it's any other book, but it's unlike any other book. It's not just a book, it's God's book. Someone wrote the song, I don't know who wrote it. I remember hearing an old preacher had his wife sing it, and they sung the song, God's wonderful book divine. And that's what it is. It's a divine book. It's an inspired book. It's the only book that is without error. You'll not find any mistakes in God's book. We believe that to be so. If you don't believe that to be so, then you've got a problem this morning. I mean, if we're just dealing with temporal things, if this is just suggestions, if this is just whatever you want it to be, then we've got a real problem. But that's not how it is. This is the eternal book, the Word of God. These are not men's words. That's why the world, the reason the world, we, we go on defense. God's book don't need defending. God said His Word will stand when all else fails. We feel like sometimes and I'm not falling out with anybody, but you know that these preachers and churches have these debates. This book does not need our defense. It was ordained of God and it'll stand when nothing else will. The scriptures say, let God be true and every man alive. And people can believe what they want and say what they want, but when the dust settles, God's book will stand. And the reason that people compromise and feel like they need to defend the Gospels, they treat the Word of God as a temporal thing, but it's not a temporal thing. It doesn't change based on society. It doesn't change based on culture. It doesn't change based on our opinion. It is the Word of God. I thought about it and I just really prayed and asked the Lord to, to guide me this morning and help me. I got to thinking about His Word being eternal, the eternal book. I thought about that day on the shores of Caesarea Philippi as we were talking about or not there, but on that day when all the people started walking away. And He said, will you also, the Lord turned to the twelve and said, will you also go away? They don't like my words. They don't like what I preach. They don't like what I said. Will you go away? Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You know what Peter said? He said, Thou hast the words of eternal life. He said, You have the eternal word. You have the saddle word. You have the sure word. You have the tribe word. You have the true word. It is an eternal book and it deals with eternal things. So you can go to these bookstores and I'm even hesitant, and I'm just preaching this morning. I'm even hesitant to call some of them Christian. You can go to these bookstores and buy all these books, buy all these men and women about how to have revival and how to grow your church and how to do this and how to do that. And all they're going to address is temple things. Because that's the culture and the mindset of our society. Deal with temple things. Get them in with temple things. But God is not interested in temple dealings. He deals with eternal things. That's why the old preacher said, and I'm not trying to be funny, it's the truth. The old preacher said, if you can get them in on a hot dog, the devil can get them out on a hamburger. And that's right. 
But that's the mindset of the church. Well, let's come up with a new temple thing. Let's affect them temporally. And if we affect them temporally, they'll hang around. But God said, if God affects them eternally, they'll get in the family and they'll hang with it. That's right. It's an eternal book. But I thought about the Lord. I'm just going to give it to you how you give it to me. And I'll be done. The Lord told me last night. He said, I've got an eternal book. And in that eternal book, is written about an eternal birth. I'm glad when God births you in the family, it's eternal. It's not temporal. It's not if you can hang on until the end. It's not if you can do these works. It's not if you can keep yourself. It's not a temporal work. It's an eternal birth. The reason why there's so much confusion in the church world today is many preachers are preaching temporal things. Church membership's a temporal thing. It don't matter how many church roles you're on. If you've never been born again, it's all temporary. And temporal things will vanish. Temporal things will burn up. Paul said it's by grace we're saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast works or temporal things. They're here today and gone tomorrow. Your baptism is temporal. And I'm talking about the physical baptism. Now we understand that the Scriptures teach that we're baptized into the family of God. That's the work of God, the eternal work. But I could take you down to the river or wherever we need to go and put you under a hundred times and all. And it's going to be affected as temporal things. Temporary. Your works are Temporary. It don't matter how good of a person you are. All that's temporary. Now I'm not preaching against living right. You know me better than that. But it's not about how right you can live. How to earn your way into heaven. Those are temporal works. But God said I've got an eternal birth. He told Nicodemus that day. Nicodemus said what must I do to inherit eternal life? And that's what most people want to know in our day in 2023. What can I do? That was Nicodemus' question. What can I do? And Christ's response was, you can't do anything. You've got to be born again. A baby doesn't birth itself. It must be born. The baby has no power over when it's born and how it's born. It just submits to the workings of God and is born. And that's the way it is. And people can label me what they want to, but that is right. You have no power over it. You're not going to get saved anytime you want to, any way you want to, anyhow you want to. Uh, come on your terms and your time. That's what's preached in our day, but that's not right. Uh, God deals in eternal things. And He has an eternal birth that He'll impart to you. That woman at the well she got to talking with Jesus and he said, if you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. And that's the same. That's a type and an allegory and a picture of all the works of man. If you drink a church membership, you'll thirst again. If you drink a baptism, you'll thirst again. If you drink of good works, you'll thirst again. If you compare yourself to somebody else and that's your assurance of salvation, you'll thirst again. But Jesus said, if you drink of the water that I give, that I give. It's not about you getting down there to where the water is. 
And see, that's the problem. That was what the woman was trying to understand. How are you going to get water? You don't have anything to draw with. And the well's deep. See, she had drawn from this well day after day after day after day. And the next day, she'd have to draw again. And the next day, she'd have to draw again. If I had something in my heart that wouldn't hardly last from one Sunday to the next, and I felt like I had to draw again, I'd get in touch with God and listen to the leadership of the Holy Ghost, and I'd ask for God to give me something eternal. She didn't really understand what kind of statements she made when she said the well's deep. You see, there's nothing she could do to get the water he offered. She didn't have a bucket big enough. She didn't have a rope long enough. If she did have a rope long enough and a bucket big enough, she didn't have the strength to get it back out of the well. But I'm glad he said, if you want the water, if you're being drawn by me, he said, I can give you a drink. He said, the water that I give shall be in you a well of water, springing up unto everlasting life. The Lord said, I'm doing eternal business here. The disciples came back. He had sent them into town to buy meat. They came back and they never questioned anything. You know why? They couldn't. He was doing an eternal work in that woman. Now in their mind, they probably thought, what is he doing? Why is he talking to this woman? She even herself said, why are you speaking to me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And they probably had those kind of questions. But the Bible said they don't ask him any questions. There was an eternal work going on. Now I want to say this morning, I'm glad that God ever begins an eternal work in somebody, it'll leave the world and religion and the church and everybody else without question, without excuse. There's nothing they can add to, nothing they can take away. I'm glad this morning God has an eternal birth. Eternal. We, We read it this morning in the Scriptures. He gives us the earnest of the Spirit. That's the down payment. He births us into the family of God. He adopts us in. He gives us the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He puts us in the family of God. There's no Jew or Gentile. Born nor free, male nor female. He broke down the middle wall of partition and had made of one family all peoples of the earth. He births us in. It's the only way to get in the family is to be birthed in. It's the only way. It's not about joining up. It's not about signing up. It's not about agreeing this set of facts. Jesus never said that to anybody. He said you must be born again. He said that that's born of the flesh is flesh. And that that's born of the Spirit is spirit. I'm glad this morning there is an eternal book that tells me about an eternal birth. And I'm also glad and I'm done this morning as far as I know. Because of that eternal birth we read in the Scriptures this morning, that there is an eternal building not made with hands. Now he's not talking, if you read that Scripture in its context, he's not necessarily talking about heaven. He's talking about a new body. The salvation of the body. That's what we're waiting on. 
Paul said we are groaning not to be unclothed. Nobody has the desire to die, but we do desire to be clothed upon with that heavenly body. Salvation of the body. See, when you were born again, when you received that eternal birth, He saved your soul and quickened your spirit, made it alive unto God. You still live in the flesh. That's why Paul cried, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death. And he said, we know. I'm glad Paul dealt in affirmative. I'm glad that we as the people of God are not walking around hoping some of these things. But he said, we know that if this body of this house, of this tabernacle, this earthly body were dissolved, we have a building in heaven of God, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Not heaven. We do have heaven. Thank God that we have that hope. But that's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about a new body that this mortal will put on immortality and this corruptible will put on incorruption. He said we'll not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. There is an eternal building. We sing that song in that red back book. Christ went a building to prepare, not made with hands. And that's what Paul's talking about. There is a body. <clears throat> a new body. There is an eternal body, an eternal building. He said we'll be unclothed, but thank God we'll be clothed upon. He said while we're present in the body, we're absent from the Lord, that is from His presence. But He said when we're absent from this body, we'll be present with the Lord. He said now we walk by faith and not by sight. Paul said I've never seen this building, but he said by faith. I know it to be so. I'm glad this morning, I don't know if it's done anything for you or helped you or touched you at all, but I'm grateful the Lord spoke to my heart about some eternal things. There's so many things in this life that are temporal that can be here today and gone tomorrow and there's nothing we can do to keep them here or to prevent them from leaving. It's just the nature of this flesh we live in. Everything changes. But I'm glad that God works in eternal things. I'm glad for an eternal book. I'm glad that when he said it, somebody said, well, God said it and I believed it and that settled it. No, I hate to bust your bubble. When God said it, that settled it whether you believe it or not. His book's eternal. And I don't say that arrogantly or mean, but the reality is, it's God. Whether anybody believes it or not, His word's true. And it's eternal. It's an eternal book. I'm glad for an eternal birth. I'm glad I'm saved. Now I know we're living in a day where many have turned the grace of God into lasciviousness and that's not what I'm preaching about. You'll not get saved and live any old, any old way you want to. That's contrary to the Word of God. But I'm, I am glad that God deals in eternity. Eternal things. I give unto them, Jesus said, eternal life. They shall never perish. And I'm glad there's an eternal building, an eternal body. But I do want to say this before I quit this morning. The same Bible, the same eternal book that tells us about an eternal birth and about an eternal building for the saved also tells us about an eternal banishment for those who are unsaved. That He will say unto them, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity into everlasting darkness, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. 
You say, what's that mean, preacher? It means it's eternal. The same book that tells us about an eternal heaven also tells us about an eternal hell. The same book that tells us about an eternal birth also tells us about an eternal death that will be suffered by those who reject the shed blood of Calvary. I tremble this morning to know it's a reality of our day. Many shirk it. Many look over it. Many make light of it. Hell's not something to be made light of. It's not something to laugh at. Not something to joke about. It's a reality. The same book that tells us about heaven also tells us about hell. And I understand this morning that the main points of the gospel, Christ never made it about heaven or hell. He never made this choice argument that's made today, but He made it about the sinner and the Savior. And that Savior loves you and He died for you. He wants to give you, make you a partaker of that eternal birth and that eternal building. But if you refuse, the Scriptures say that there'll be an eternal banishment cast out into outer darkness, eternal darkness, where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. God, people think, well, if I do go to hell, it'll just be for a time and then I'll burn up and everything. No, God doesn't deal in temporal things. He deals in eternal things. There'll be eternal bliss for the saved and eternal damnation for the unregenerate sinner. The wrath of God must be satisfied. It demands satisfaction. And it's satisfied in the death and the substitutionary work that we heard about this morning in Sunday school about that Passover sacrifice as of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot for every saved individual, for every person that's had the blood of Christ appropriated for every individual that's ever been to Calvary by faith. The wrath of God for your sin is satisfied in the atonement of Christ. But for every man, woman, boy, or girl that's ever died without God, the wrath of God abides on them for eternity. And they'll suffer eternal banishment. And see, the reason I, and the Lord dealt with me this way, but the reality is, and we can preach about hell this morning, and preach about how awful the fire is, and it is there. Said it's unquenchable fire. We can preach about how bad that the weeping and the wailing and the gnashing of teeth, the rich man cried out for mercy, just one drop of water, I'm tormented in this flame. We can preach about the worms, where they die not. Preach about the bottomless pit, the sensation of falling, the darkness, all of that, but the greatest the greatest terror of hell is to be absent from the presence of God for eternity. See, even a sinner walking this earth, is not uh, they've not been enlightened to the fact that they're not absent from the presence of God. The Bible said the Lord's good to all and the Lord's merciful even to sinners. And they don't understand that one day in damnation they'll be forever separated from the presence of God. Banished from Him. Never to feel God again. Never to sense God again. That's the greatest terror of hell. Is the banishment of God. Abraham told that rich man, there's a gulf between us so that you can't come to us and we can't come to you. But even there, that's not even to be compared with what shall be when death and hell are delivered up 
and they're cast into the lake of fire in the bottomless pit forever to be separated from God. This same book that we can rejoice about, about an eternal birth and an eternal building, a body in heaven not made with hands, also tells us for the unregenerate, for the unsaved, there's an eternal banishment forever separated from the presence of God. God deals in eternity. God affects eternity. Man, we've come to the day in our church world and I'm trying to quit this morning, but they want to affect the mind. But the mind only deals in temporal things. It takes the power of God to affect the heart and the spirit of a man. And God deals in eternal things. I'm glad this morning to know of the eternity and the eternal work of our God. And wherever this message this morning finds you, whether on one side rejoicing that there is an eternal birth with eternal blessings to come, or on the other side, where if you don't get right with God, then there'll be eternal damnation. I'm glad this morning that God still is working in eternity. God still is affecting men and women, boys and girls, for eternity. I'm grateful this morning for the eternal work of God. Father, I thank you this morning for this time and privilege together in the house of God. And I know, Lord, it's not been much on my part. I've tried my best. My